Kathor, we cannot hear you. And in fact, Discord cannot hear you because your name is not lighting up. Could be any number of things, I suppose. Probably maximum like 10 things. Okay, it's not any number. Not a myriad. Yeah, it's not myriad. Not even a cornucopia. Maybe a baker's dozen. Aren't cornucopias technically supposed to be never-ending and overflowing? Well, I thought the cornucopia was like that little basket thing that all the Thanksgiving stuff is spilling out of. Yeah, the horn. It is, but it's it's originally the horn of plenty, and I believe... It's like a D&D thing, like infinite holding. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that it was like some harvest god could just pour that thing out infinitely and, and bread and stuff, sweet meats or whatever would come out of it. <laughs> I still don't know what sweet meats are. Is that like sheep balls or something? Sweet bread is like thyroids. Thyroids? What a specific... Yeah, you want us to throw those away? Come on. Them, them's the sweet meats. Yeah, the thymus and the <laughs> pancreas is sweet bread. Yeah, that's where uh, sugar comes from. I like sugar. I don't like it that much. Uh, let me just look up what sweet meats is. Are we mixing it up with mincemeat? No, mincemeat is just like a dessert, right? Yeah, I'm thinking specifically of sweet bread. Sweet meats is actually just candy. Mm. Oh, okay. All right. Weird. All this stuff can fit in the cornucopia. That's really the important part. And what's the difference between sweets and sweet meat? Here's what the problem is. Sweet meats is a European English word, and they're just like, this is a biscuit. And then, and it's it just co covers like twenty million different kinds of things. And like here, let's have a pudding, and it's just like a bread. Yeah, that's why in Cockney rhyming slang they call candy potatoes because you go from sweets to sweet meats, and from sweet meats to meat and potatoes. Is that what happens? Sure. I feel like that joke might be one one step too far from my brain at this time. Yeah. One step beyond. One step beyond. podcast and i'll show you a podcast this is episode 209 of insert credit a relentlessly paced audio program where a panel of experts addresses a series of video game topics without parry or delay or face the consequences of a horrible buzzer i'm alex jaffe and the most frustrating note i've ever gotten on a creative project is could we put in a romance plot oh my name is frank cefaldi and the most frustrating note that I've gotten on a creative project. It's a tough one to answer because I've usually been in a position where I don't really answer to people. Um, I guess I have shipped projects for like game publishers, but even then it's like, you know, they kind of trusted me on most of the decisions. I don't, man, I don't know. I, how about not a frustrating one? How about a funny one? Go for it. Okay, I've probably told this story before, whatever. We were doing a game for Microsoft. It was a hexic version for Windows 8. Oh yeah. And I had a, uh, a side plot in the game where uh, there was a promise that if you beat the game, you would get a job at Microsoft at an executive level. And uh, among the perks was that uh, executives have their own son. You don't have to use the pedestrian son. And uh, I got a note from Microsoft uh, saying that I had to cut the line because we cannot imply that Microsoft owns the son. <laughs> you have told that story before, but it's still good. Oh, hey. I'm Brandon Sheffield. The most frustrating creative note I've ever gotten. I was working on that Cinemora game. I may have mentioned this before as well, but Cinemora was originally written in Hungarian 
and then it had to get translated into English before it got translated into all the other languages because people don't know Hungarian. I don't know Hungarian. So, you know, I was translating it from like a rough translation that was paid for, a Google translation from the original Hungarian document, uh, questions from the director, and then my own intuition. And that was how I translated the thing. But the frustrating note was there was a hundred plus year old poem from Hungary's most famous poet, an excerpt of which needed to get translated. Oh boy. And uh, I was like, this this is a job for a PhD haver to do. Surely there's it's in some library somewhere, and it was not anywhere. There were other of his works translated. This poem had never been translated by anybody, and so I had to do it from Google Translate, basically. <laughs> um, and then guessing- An auspicious and fate reading a bunch of his existing poems and trying to put them together. And uh, yeah, but I mean, the frustrating note was, can you just try it? <laughs> <laughs> and why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. um, that voice you just heard is our guest this week. Joining us is a renaissance man of the internet, advert game developer, graphic novelist, clickhole contributor, Twitter dad, and bad t-shirt magnate, K. Thor Jensen. That's me. Uh, the most frustrating creative note I think I've ever received on a project was probably, can you redraw this so one of the characters looks more like my new girlfriend? Oh, boy. <laughs> wow. That's pretty good. Yeah, most artists I know do that automatically for their own girlfriends. That's a new wrinkle. Well, it's probably like it looked like their old girlfriend originally. Mm. And so they needed to have it redrawn to look like Gotta update that girlfriend. The slate has yeah. got to be a girlfriend of mine. Yeah. Girlfriend 2.0. If this was like a recurring paid thing, I'd feel more comfortable about it. Just bring me back into your life every time. How are people going to relate if she doesn't look like my girlfriend? Good question. Uh, so I briefed you on the rules before this show, but there's one I neglected to mention, which is that every episode of this podcast has a winner based on how well you do. And uh, the reward for winning is that you get the homework of coming up with a question for next week's episode. Last week's winner was our own Frank Cifaldi. Mm -hmm. uh, Frank, do you have a topic to uh, begin this week's adventure with? Sure. What do you want it? Please. Yeah, what is it? Like now? Okay. Let's hear Please. About it. Uh, <laughs> something that we uh, enjoy doing on the Answer Credit Show occasionally is uh, keeping up on the wonderful Intellivision Amico console that we're all looking forward to. Oh, yeah. You know, this isn't really the latest, but I think this is one of the funniest things that's ever happened. I don't know if you guys have seen uh, that they've started selling uh, physical games. Are you guys familiar with what they've done here? No, I haven't seen that. Okay. Right now on the Intellivision website, you can buy eight physical games uh, for the system that doesn't exist yet. And they will ship these games to you. Ooh. And uh, you can't buy them individually. You can only buy them in arbitrary packs of four. Or you can buy all eight and get like $5 off or something like that. And what you get is a box that is shrink wrapped and inside is like a coin <laughs> like a collectible coin okay and a a card uh with an rfid chip that is theoretically going to one day be a game should this console ever exist and its online store function the only way this could be better is if you told me it was somehow on the blockchain i just read this can i can confirm this yes uh tommy tallarico has often uh said in interviews uh, that these games are NFTs as well, somehow. Wow. As well they should be. Oh, yeah. I don't know if he knows what that means, but he said it. So let's, yeah. let's, let's assume it's here. So, okay. So it's just a box that is like the promise theoretically of a game that will probably never exist. My question is, is this a hilarious scam or is it kind of the future? 
can it be both? It's absolutely both. It could be a depressing scam. It's okay. incredibly both. Like I, I'm really amazed by the captive, the sort of physical retail culture in games now because it seems like such a vestigial tale. Like it's not something that is sustainable in any real way. So yeah, this is probably the best way to capture that certain audience. You know, because you got to make money off things any way you can. Yeah, and it's you know it it strikes me as almost being Kickstartery. You know, <laughs> like like you're I'll I'll ship you the game right now. It just doesn't exist yet, but you, you can hold it. If it's on an RFID chip, then this is not a physical copy of the game. It's still going to need to connect to some sort of infrastructure to download the actual game yeah so someone actually took an rfid reader to the cards and yeah. uh what it spits out is just a url like all NFTs. so it's it's very possible that these cards will just call to a server and get an android apk or something that's it this thing is awesome but yeah i i, I agree with you kithor that the market for physical games yeah it, it just it seems to be it's definitely aging out i think um i don't think for example that people for the most part who buy like video game vinyl actually listen to it i think people just like having this physical manifestation of a game and it's got big art yeah it has really really big art usually uh 12 inches i don't think that people who buy like limited run games for the most part are actually playing them i think they're putting them on the shelves especially when we're talking about i mean they just announced like worms armageddon on the n64 you know like are people actually gonna like buy this worms game and hook up their nintendo 64 and play it or are they just keeping this thing in the shrink wrap i don't know so yeah i i, I don't i don't know if it's the future future or if it's just like the dying gasp of this particular market i feel like with the retro game purchases there's almost a higher likelihood of people playing it i know there's a guy at a game store i go to who collects switch games physical switch games he definitely does not open those because they are available simultaneously as a digital download but i feel like you know i mean i guess you can get a rom and play it on an emulator and maybe people do that but it feels like with these with the new genesis and super nintendo games that are coming out the part of their childhood that they want to reclaim is like opening up a new game and slapping it into the console and and getting that wide-eyed experience so I feel like maybe the older games or the older consoles have a higher rate of play than than the new ones. But that's that's a entire spe- entirely speculation. I think I might agree on that when it's like a new game for old consoles because your market is people who play old consoles still. But yeah. I'm thinking more about I guess Worms Armageddon, yeah. You're right. I mean like like they're doing the Game Boy Color version of whatever that is in addition to the N64. It's like are people cracking that open putting in their Game Boy going like, "Oh boy, Worms." I I, I really right. doubt it. Yeah. And I, I I think these are shelf candy. And in some ways, I I think that this Intellivision thing is I don't know if it's accidentally brilliant or just brilliant, but I I actually think it's kind of smart and also I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, the games are going to be terrible. Uh, are they going to exist? That's, right, uh, if they exist, yeah. they're going to be, yes, <laughs> yes absolutely. That's the question there, we're at right now. There, there are games in this bundle of eight um, that people now own in their homes that there aren't even screenshots of yet. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. This is, like, this is a really remarkable thing that's happening. Is this even, like, is this collectible? Like, say the Amico never comes out. Do these boxes... Are they worth something in the future? 
I mean, you saw how much that Phantom was selling for a couple weeks ago. Oh, there's only one of those, though. So yeah. there are apparently 50,000 of these. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's like, there's going to be a lot of them. So maybe it doesn't increase in value. But And it's also interesting, like, if people buy these, where what does that money go toward? Like, do mm-hmm. they have debts that they're paying? Does it go toward actually finishing these games? Does it go, like, do the developers of these games get any money? Is a question one could speculate and I would very heavily speculate that uh, they are running very dry on money and this is an attempt to get something in the coffers. Yeah. Yeah. Are these the new games or are they because I'm noticing here that it's using the original art. Uh, these are new games. These are not old in television games. The The art that you're seeing is new art. Uh, even the evil Knievel one. Yes. So uh, I have to admit that the box art on these is uh, kind of good. <laughs> There is no old Evil Knievel game. That is a current game. There isn't? I made that up? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like there should have been. You know, that's what families are looking for right now. You know, they want to sit together on the couch and play Evil Knievel. Right. Who they all remember. Yes, absolutely. Kids love them. All right. Here's our next question. Comic Zone was an early, honestly not great attempt at translating core comic book concepts into video game mechanics. Nice art, Could we take that idea and do it better? Uh, I want to keep something from Comic Zone. Okay. Which is that uh, if you hit down really rapidly, like six times, he farts. Of course. That's, uh, we should keep that. Essential to the comic experience. Yeah. That's very important. We have to, and if we're going to address this question, what is the core of the comics experience? I think probably the biggest core of the comics experience is waiting a month in between installments of your story. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. So you want to go like the DLC chapter route? I mean, I think it's the closest to what we're talking about. Like what what is intrinsic to comics at this point that we want to bring into our beloved digital entertainment experience? Well, is is that intrinsic to comics as a medium or comics as a monthly comic subscriber or whatever buyer right i i i I don't know the numbers but i suspect that you know the the collections probably outsell the floppies at this point yes so the experience for most people is getting a book with a complete story every six months maybe i mean i think the the core of comic zone is the fourth wall breaking and the uh, look at these frames and I can tear off some paper and throw it as a paper airplane. Like that's that to me is what the that experience is about. I don't know if that's something we want to carry over into our new thing, but I feel like we could do better, better fourth wall breaking at this point. I don't know exactly what shape that takes, but I do. I do feel like that's uh, there's there's something we can do there. I think there have been some relatively recent games that played with this concept. Such as? Oh, fuck if I know. <laughs> I look like Google ass. I don't know. That's, that's what this show is all about, is you got to be Google ass. So, okay, I'm thinking about in that game, you kind of, you know, you jump between the panel borders, right? Right. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm just completely spitballing some nonsense here. I'm thinking about how... Uh, in uh, understanding comics, Scott McCloud uh, argues that like you're the murderer because you committed the act between panels. So that's kind of an interesting thing to think about. And another thing that I'm thinking about is uh, Grant Morrison wrote a book about comics where uh, a, a lot of what he talked about was how it's essentially uh, time travel because you could instantly go backward and forward between panels and you could flip around the book and then flip back and stuff like that. I don't know. Where do we go from here, gentlemen? Grant Morrison's they, them. Now. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. Thank right. you. 
the game Framed for PC and iOS and whatever is a game where you you have like a whodunit and you're getting chased or chasing somebody. I don't remember, but you you rearrange the panels to give your person an escape route or get them to climb a ladder or do whatever. I think that at the very least, a sequence could be like that. It feels like um like an animated comic in a in a cool way. So I think that that would be good. Something that we could bring from modern comics, though, is the attempt greater attempt at inclusivity. This is, this is an easy easy one mm-hmm. to mention, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. um we could put that that kind of stuff in there. And instead of comic zones, um uh blonde ponytailed Caucasian. <laughs> Think he had sunglasses. He did have he sunglasses. Did. It's true. Shorts, According that important sunglass demographic. That's how you knew that he was cool. Yeah. yeah, it was. It's cool how in the in the eighties and part of the nineties, sunglasses are how you knew that somebody was cool across media. It was like someone would put on sunglasses, and you're like, uh oh, time to do something cool. It's a universal signifier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can't see them emoting and coolness is about hiding your emotions mm-hmm, that's right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. did snoopy invent this with his with his joe cool persona absolutely yeah. yes yeah okay 100 yeah, man i'm looking at these these amico boxes here and, <laughs> and on their website yeah go on go on in television amico.myshopify.com the the picture of the eight pack is half the resolution maybe less than the four pack photo that's your complaint it's not my big complaint yeah it's a lot of problems if we want to loop back to subject current i think a game that yes. does a lot of what we're talking about with like panels and shifting is Gorogoa, which i thought was really enjoyable and great and satisfying there we go there's that google ass no i just actually <laughs> remembered it in my fucking brain oh yeah yeah that game that's it yeah, yeah that's the answer yeah, Gorogoa is the new comic zone. Well, it's Gorogoa, but you press down to fart. Four times. Down <laughs> yeah. four times to fart. Yeah. <laughs> We've solved it. All right. Point to Kathor. Oh, and uh, the, the reason I went back to Intellivision is because obviously it's a better topic. Tom, Tommy Tallarico did the music for Comic Zone. Ah, Did he really? This is what we call establishing a narrative through line. Nice. <laughs> we know a little bit about that here. So every year, uh, you put out a list of the worst music released over that period. No, I don't. Not you. (laughs) No, but I do. Uh, (laughs) Uh, So I'd like to ask everybody, what has been the worst video game music of the past generation? Oh, wow. Actually, um, Tommy Tallarico did not do the music for Comic Zone. I just thought he did because it was bad. (laughs) It makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like it. It's It's a convincing lie. Dude was at Virgin Games at the time. That's Sega. Anyway, worst music of this past generation defined yeah. generation. Um, everything from like the advent of the Switch and the PS4 and the Xbox One. On. Oh, God. You know, I don't. That one comes to mind and I don't want to mention it because I know the person who did the music. So um, just just imagine I gave you an answer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> How about that? Now, there's, Good answer. There's, Good answer. There's so much like pedestrian library music in video games that it almost feels unfair. It's like every free to play game almost that doesn't have original music is just like, I don't know, it's just nothing. It's it's anti music. Just here's here's a collection of sounds so that you will not be listening only to sound effects. I I have a problem with a lot of the music of today because the exception of like indie games nobody's going for a style Mm -hmm. they're just trying to fill space with it 
and uh, I find it very distressing. The end. It's it's hard to find a game with like a really iconic soundtrack. I guess now. I mean, that's a lie. There's a bunch of good. There's a bunch of games with good soundtracks. Yeah, I, but I think it's deliberate. Like I get pitched by musicians all the time for doing music and games, and the pitch is universally, "I can do anything." Here is my demo reel of a bunch of generic music, and apparently, like. Apparently that works because a lot of games just have generic nothing music in them. But the the kind of pitch that I want to see is like, you know, I love this kind of music. Here's me doing it, you know, because I, I want to have I want to be inspired by something. I don't want to just fill space like the tendency to praise actors for having range as opposed to channeling a particular style. Right. Like I'd, I'd rather watch Matthew McConaughey be a weird Texas whistler than then watch somebody who can who can just like blandly fit into the background of any movie. Yeah, and I think I think that video game music in a lot of ways has really become very hidebound and codified. Like there are certain styles that you expect a game to sound like. Like you expect your serious war drama orchestral stuff. You expect your kind of chirpy bleeps and bloops gotcha game. You expect certain things and nobody cares about not doing anything else. I actually just found something because I was I was being Mr. Google asked about this. Did you guys see the story about future Aero Racing S Ultra? No, no, no. I'm going to I'm going to paste a tweet into the chat. And I think you should listen to it because I just I'd seen this previously. And I think that this we should play this on the air if we can and listen to it, because it's it's truly an incredible effort. And it really makes you think about sort of how this process works with these people making this music, because this is it's a great illustration. I do. Oh, I've heard this. This is amazing. Oh, wow. Oh, we, we have the new insert credit podcast theme right here. That's right. No, I remember this. And there were theories that like something got played in the wrong channel or like two things were overlapping. And uh, but yeah, that's a real candidate for. Yeah, this is like Sonic Bioware RPG level bad. Yes. Like something went wrong. Something went awry. The most believable theory I can think of is that the samples that they picked to put this in together are just in different keys. So it's yeah. by yeah, it's yeah, yeah, bitonal yeah. in like this weird way. And that's I mean. A danger of doing sample based music is like your stuff is not it's easy to put it together, but that doesn't mean it fits. Yeah, it reminds me of like a MIDI with the wrong instruments or something Mm -hmm. like it's just it's it's obviously wrong is what it sounds like. Yeah, well, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) The funny thing for me is that I would rather hear this than some Call of Duty orchestral sweeping thing yeah. that uh, that makes me feel like nothing. Like I'd rather feel hatred <laughs> toward a piece of music <laughs> nothing than all. nothing. And like these days, whenever a um, a movie trailer for a scary movie or something set in the eighties starts, I just go boong before mm-hmm. the trailer starts because I know that it's about to go boong at me. Like it's gonna make it's gonna play some funny tone like as an intro into the trailers. It's like everybody's doing the exact same thing. Once somebody have you ever has played an a video idea, game with the boom in it, I think so. I feel like Fortnite's got to have a gun that does the boom noise. Just boongs on you. Boom. Yeah, or like the next Saints Row. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's a boong gun. Yeah. Next question. 
Now that Dune is a hot commodity in the cultural landscape again, it's time to bring back Dune video games. How would you take the series where it's never been before? Inside Arrakis. Yeah, actually, so this actually makes me think of a game that I enjoyed but was disappointed by. I'm not sure when it came, but there was a Mad Max game in the last mm-hmm. console generation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, you're an open world sort of driving around doing stuff game. And it was mostly very easy. There was not a ton of challenge to it. You know, it was, it was a handholder. But every once in a while in that game, there would be a lightning storm that would roll through the desert. And it transformed everything into like this terrifying, like shit would be blowing around all around you. And you could literally just get wiped out by a flying piece of loose metal, essentially. So you had to hunker down and find cover. And it was really communicated this feeling of being at the mercy of a very alien and hostile environment. And I would love, I don't know if Dune is the right place for that, but that's the first place my brain went, was like this feeling of being in this alien place you know, this desolate place that's also terrifically dangerous. You could absolutely do a uh, sandworm stealth game where you. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking about. You got to walk around. I mean, I hate stealth games, which is why this isn't the game that I would make. But um, you got to walk irregularly so that you don't make regular footfalls. You got to put the thumpers down. And And you got to keep moving or you'll die of exposure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. it's it's my least favorite kind of mechanic, but some oh, people it, it, would, it would suck to play, but it would right. be great that it exists. Yeah, when um, uh, soon he legend does an amazing super play of it, it'll be, it'll be yeah. super great to watch. It'd be a fun game to speed run. It has good potential for open worldness and you can find, you know, caves and weird zones. And but before you know about the people of the actual people of Arrakis, you can find like remnants of their them like stuff they put on the rocks on the outcroppings like the stairs they cut into the into the rock or whatever i mean it's kind of playing into the feeling of i mean was it just called dune like the the cd rom game it was on sega cd as well mm-hmm. i think it was just dune not dune 2 and you know that one sort of had this feeling of there being this infinite world because you could point your ship in any direction and just let it go and it might eventually find a little settlement or something so a uh, little bit of a throwback there i appreciate that that could work I thought the sega cd one was the that's the adventure game yeah it is the adventure game but i mean you have to fly around and like find these settlements and caves oh, wow. and stuff I, I didn't know that yeah you could do the reverse of the stealth game like a kind of man-eater thing where you are the sandworm and like all you can see are sound waves and based on that you have to like find people yeah there there was a xbox live indie games game that i was trying to think of that you could just rebrand you basically are sandworm tremorsy things and they had like a they had like a christmas version where the sandworm had a santa hat on sandworm santa worm and you're just uh jumping around through the earth and chomping on humans perfect you could do that but i think totally in in my multi-million dollar budget open world game you could ride sandworms it wouldn't be like your main mode of transportation but i think it would be something where like you start off in a small space that is an open world in it but it's more like a you know the one square mile rpg kind of thing and there's a couple settlements you can get to in there but then you get access to controlling sandworms and then you can go all over the planet and then you can find a whole bunch of weird stuff but things are Things are much further and fewer between. Uh, I'd like it. I don't know. I'd play this game probably. You know, I think that we could also do a second concept for the more casual audiences and we just make that box that hurts your hand when you put it in there. Yeah. Yeah. 
perfect. And we could sell it on uh, for the Intellivision Miko. <laughs> yeah, they're already making eight of those boxes. When your hand is getting burned inside of there, it takes a photo and it turns it into an NFT. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's exactly what you got to go with there. Blockchain, more like block pain. Nice. Cooking mama with the, the spices. No, sure. That's, that's, my, that's yeah. my dune. Yeah. Navigating mama. Navigating yeah, mama. Okay. Like drug wars for your TI 83, but with spice. Yeah. And, you know, you get lost and she's like, Mama will fix it. She right. get you back on the track. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're drifting in the infinite space time. Mama will fix it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that reminds me. You can also get those dang premonitions. And uh, maybe you have to play through them because those are, those are all jumbled up together, wild visions of the future. It would be cool if you had to play through this like El Shaddai looking dreamscape weirdness potential future. And then you are now back in the present and have to figure out whether that is something that will definitely come to pass or something that you can avoid or should avoid. And that's where kind of like your uh, your choices come from. Like you play through one potential future in a dreamscape. I'm seeing a lot of Death Stranding parallels in a lot of these kinds. It's not intentional, but the, I have definitely, as I keep talking about it, I realize that that's where I've been yeah. going. All right. So uh, in the same way that David Lynch did a Dune, let's give Hideo Kojima a shot. Yeah, this one's called Death Sanding. Death Sanding! Yes! Yes! All right. Episode title confirmed. <laughs> I guess. Uh, unless we come up with something really good later. Don't count us okay. out. Design a video game t-shirt that even given prominent advertising. Bye. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, I feel seen here. Uh... <laughs> okay, so it cannot, if we're saying no one's going to buy it, it cannot be about an actual game that exists because yeah. if, anyone likes a game it doesn't matter what the merchandise is they just go like oh thing i like and they hit buy i know thing yeah exactly i recognize please it can't be intentionally ironic like gamers suck because someone will buy that ironically right and then wear it on a stream or whatever like microsoft just started just launched a product line based on their you know quote-unquote casual games from their operating systems like like in the past and so there's a shirt for like Microsoft Solitaire and it just has something really <laughs> stupid on it like keeping it casual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shirt that exists and everyone's like, oh, Solitaire. I like Solitaire. I want this bad shirt. I, I also kind of want this bad and shirt. And they have that, uh, they have that goddamn, they have that Minesweeper pillow. Yeah. And on the back, it's like Microsoft trademark Solitaire restricted. Wow. And it, it, it would be, it would be cool except like the print looks terrible and it's yeah. and it's like wrapped around so it's all warped even though it's supposed to be a square and it's like, man you know what i'm gonna prove this theory right now i am going to take a screenshot from custer's revenge on the atari 2600 i'm gonna okay. put it on a t-shirt i'm gonna put wish you were here underneath it and i'm gonna put it up for sale <laughs> and if you sell one look, copy, if I sell one copy this theory oh will be God. tested yeah oh no Okay. I'll, I'll agree to this if like any proceeds go to yeah. some like yeah some <laughs> some nice charity yeah yeah I'm I'm gonna go like like native rights exactly yeah okay um okay so it has to be generic video gamey right you can't say anything even remotely that's like I enjoy playing video games you know what I mean like it it right. it, it, it has to be like neutral or like negative yeah 
I I keep going for those like Facebook algorithm shirts that they make where it's like on Tuesdays I'm get but I don't I think people do buy I this. feel like that's cheating. I agree with you though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. It also can't be a shirt that like a mom might buy for their kid thinking, "Oh, they yeah. like video games." Mistake yeah. shirts. Yeah, like my mom got me a shirt once that just said, "Not now, I'm playing video games on it." <laughs> I'm trying to think of a controller that's not particularly appealing to anyone like a 3do yeah. controller but it's like upside down right i don't know like it's just got to be like generic but also so wrong that no one would wear it but also people are really stupid i don't know yeah we're talking zero people uh Kathor, you just linked in here the this t-shirt of yours damn right i'm a gamer grotesque awful man baby embarrassing relatives is that is this a shirt that you have made in the past yeah, so I've sold about eight of those just to okay, give us okay. a point of reference. All right. So we got to be eight worse than this. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Like, OK, here's here's an idea. It's really ugly and it's for a game that hasn't come out yet. Oh, that that's nobody tough. knows about that. Nobody knows about. OK, so that's yeah, like so it can't now. be like Elden Ring. I think we have to cheat because I think otherwise people are just going to buy whatever has a game. Uh, maybe. What if it's. Yeah, I think you got close with the Minesweeper pillow. Like, what if okay. it was just the copyright information for a video game? Like in Arial size 12 print. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it just says like, all rights reserved, Microsoft 2021. Yeah, and no, the word Minesweeper is somewhere in there. That might be the way to get around. Yeah, like if you put part of the text on the pocket square and part of the text on the side you have to make it like really confusingly ugly and yeah. so that people are just like i don't i don't even understand what this is trying to do what if it's a picture of a zelda shirt on a shirt no someone would buy that no it's got sure. zelda on it doesn't yeah matter. it's got zelda yeah you're gonna you're gonna move one or two at the very least keep trying to think of something you know that is like really really terrible like some british cassette game that's like blopper goes knobby or something but like someone someone <laughs> loves would buy blopper, a blopper goes, goes knobby. knobby shirt insert credit shirts is that the answer no one will buy those Whoa. yeah nobody will buy those nice we got it uh, okay so my, my actual answer is just something that in plain text says i am not a gamer no hmm. uh, you probably move those yeah oh, yeah somebody's brother will buy that if you've ever been on a dating website uh there are so many there. I don't know. There were 10 years ago. Um, so many. Oh, yeah. People with like no gamers or if you play video games, move along. Yep. Uh, in their profiles. I enjoy so. travel and book. Yes. <laughs> Do not game. We're going to be tabulating our profits from the Custer's Revenge t-shirt. Uh, we'll be we right back. also make a shirt that says I enjoy travel and book. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be right back after this break. I guess I've never seen the instruction book for dudes with attitude. It's so good. I actually completely tore the house down at a reading series I was invited to participate in. I didn't want to read anything I wrote, so I just read the manual to dudes with attitude. It's good. so good. Dude, happy patch bozo. Also not forget about babe and foxy. What are we talking about? This dudes with attitude instruction man. Yeah, this would have been a good reading. It is. It's spectacular. It's so incoherent and really weird. 
you want to do it for us right now? No, that's fine. It's up to feature. you. Yeah, I mean, we like we like uh, bonus features. Well, you can't do the whole manual. It's gonna take too long. No, just this, uh, just this page. Uh, the these dudes are on the move page. All right, if you want it, I'll give it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get it. These dudes are on the move. Dude, happy patch, bozo, and let's for not ugh, fucked it up already. <laughs> it's a lot. It I is a practice. lot. It's because they didn't have an apostrophe. I know. There's just a lot of sentence here. Welcome back to Insert Credit. We're here with Kathor Jensen. Time to dive into the dirt bag. Every single week, we choose one question submitted to us by our listeners at patreon.com slash insert credit, where for a nominal fee, you can get access to the form, which allows you to submit these questions, get our regular episodes one day early, one day early, one day early, nice. and even exclusive bonus content every month, along with some other treats as they come down the pipe. Uh, this week's question comes from Spencer, who asks, does Nintendo actually have some secret stuff that makes them the greatest developer? Or is this just Nintendo fans projecting? How important is Nintendo's iron fist around ROMs and fan games to that special stuff? Oh, that's a lot of questions. Yeah, Spencer, like... are you talking about cocaine? I think he is. I feel I feel like the ROM discussion is totally irrelevant to Nintendo. Yeah, I, I yeah. agree. Let, let's table that one. I want to respond immediately by saying that I, I think that Nintendo does have a secret sauce, and I don't think it's secret. I think it's exactly what Iwata explained at GDC, which is they spend a lot of time and money prototyping. Yeah. I think that's it. They're willing to get rid of stuff, and it's not just the prototyping. They're willing to work on a game until they feel that it is to the level of polish that they like. And yeah. one of the reasons that Nintendo is so successful is because they have a few billion dollars in the bank. They have like 30 years of runway yeah. know, as a company. Yeah. They can spend the time and they don't have like shareholders who are like, you have to do this that they're beholden to. They don't have the EA problem where it's like, yeah, we got to do NFTs now because my nephew thinks that it's a really cool idea. No, they're still living off that Hanafuda card and love hotel money. Right. Like the Nintendo, I mean, people talk about the GameCube being a failure, but they sold each console at a profit while nobody else was doing that. Like the GameCube was massively profitable for them. And like the Wii U wasn't probably, but the, you know, they can absorb some losses like that and they can afford to take their time finishing these video games. They can also afford to train up talent, which is something that Japanese game developers used to do yeah. all the time back in the day. They would hire in younger people and then just train them for a long time, give them smaller systems to work on and give them mentorship and stuff. They've got money and time. That's what they have. Well, and not only do they have the money, they're, they're conservative with the money in like every other aspect other than product development, I think. Right, yeah. And also kind of there, too. <laughs> yeah, like, probably. Well, maybe it's just R&D, specifically. Yeah, yeah. They're willing they, to spend they don't spend on external product development, like third part. They don't fund third party games very often. Right. And even when they fund the like second party stuff, I kind of feel like they don't maybe fund it as much. I don't know. Like it feels that way. Like Metroid Dread feels like a low budget Nintendo game to me. The, the Link's Awakening uh, remake also does. And yeah, I mean, they're conservative with their money in every other aspect. So they, I think they utilize that for the R&D and, and prototype the hell out of these games. You know, the Switch is made of like some trash they found off the street, as far as I can tell. It's just this <laughs> underpowered thing, but it doesn't matter. Like, and they've always been that way. 
going back to like even the Game Boy, right? The Game Boy, even in its time, was just made of trash, but you know, they, they made it work because they're really fiscally conservative and they want to make a profit no matter what. And uh, it's like the things that really frustrate everyone about Nintendo, I think, are probably why Nintendo's really successful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that conservatism shows in the form of scope, too. Like, Nintendo games are comfortable being a certain size. Like, mm. they never feel too big. They never feel like there's stuff put in there to justify something. And if anybody on this, you know, listening to this or speaking on this podcast who has worked in game development know that you are constantly having scope pushed on you. Everybody always wants it to be bigger and more. And I think that being able to resist that is really strong. Yeah, I'm a little bit of a, I don't want to say a Nintendo hater, um, but... We know who you are, Brandon. You know, everybody well, knows. we'll say it. It's okay. Um, but I, I would say there are some things that feel like they're there to extend things like, you know, the blue stars in Mario Sunshine or whatever. I don't know. There's some there's some superfluity there that is to extend the amount of time that people are engaging with the thing um, sort of arbitrarily, in my opinion. But I think that by and large, they know exactly what they're trying to do and they go for it and they spend their time. And uh, the frustrating part for me is, of course, I would rather see slightly crappier games slightly faster. Like that, I mean, that's why I like Sega. (laughs) (laughs) Slightly worse. Yeah, gotta go fast and slightly worse. But you wind up with weirder stuff. Nintendo doesn't get weird enough. And I think that's- Yeah, especially as time goes on, things have been- getting pretty homogenized yeah they've been de-weirding pretty significantly and i think that's the negative side effect of having so much polished time is that you wind up without very many oddball choices but that's my problem with the game industry in general is that we don't man back in the day you would have like we got the snoopy license what game can we make in six months with it and then you just put whatever weird prototype you're already making into a snoopy game right or whatever you don't get that so much anymore except in the indie space as a person who wrote an entire peanuts baseball game i definitely empathize with that argument (laughs) nice who's the best peanuts baseball character to play uh it's pigpen uh, of course I, w- I was going to guess it was Pigpen. Pigpen is the best at baseball in the actual comic, right? Yes. And I was very close to continuity. I made sure that everything lined up. It's a very delicate franchise. Excellent. We make a lot of video game lists on the show. Those are usually our fan favorite episodes. Uh, but what are your favorite lists of games that you've seen or even made elsewhere? I haven't seen a lot of good lists that I didn't make. <laughs> That's a tough one. It's difficult for me because writing on the internet, which I do to make money and have for a long time, your stuff is very ephemeral. And a lot of my work is gone. It has vanished into, you know, companies folding and being absorbed by each other. So I would have to ponder that for a moment. Uh, We're making a list on the insert credit forums right now of all of the games that feature xenomorphs or H.R. Geiger-like backgrounds and artwork. Giger games. Yeah. You can call us uh, the Giger counters. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I like that. I don't know. I, I like when when people are saying things like, I want to get into X vintage game console or X genre. What are some basic games and some deep cuts that I could get started with? I like those kinds of lists because they wind up they wind up with people talking about 
obscure and deeper reasons that they like mainstream stuff and then broader strokes reasons why they like really niche stuff. And you wind up having some pretty good discussions out of that kind of a list. Um, I actually did think of one. It, it took me a second and it's uh, it's almost 10 years old at this point. Uh, but there's a person who goes by Satoshi Matrix uh, and on their WordPress.com website, again, 10 years old. Um, they, they did a, a really extensive top 100 games for the NES slash Famicom that's actually interesting. It includes a lot of the sort of like aftermarket stuff from the late 90s that was happening in China. It includes a few, you know, bizarre unreleased games like Bioforce Ape is in here. The number one game, I'm just going to blow it right now, is Gimmick. Uh, so it's it's actually a really thoughtful list with some really interesting games. And it leans Next on... Next paragraph down is like, this may not be the best game, but I like it. <laughs> but it is the best Amiga game. But we didn't have MAME yet. And so yeah. this ocean-made port of this arcade game for the Speccy is, uh, is my yeah. favorite. Um, anyway, Satoshi Matrix, S-A-T-O-S-H-I Matrix, .wordpress.com um, is a list of, yeah. Go check it out. It's a really good list. There's a list that I would like to make and have been intending to make for some time, which is the best Genesis games that have come out in the last 10 years. You've been working on that list since the revival of this show. I got the list percolating in the old headbone. You want to have good footage with it as well. And uh, for some of these games, there just isn't any. Um, Maybe we could release that as a Patreon bonus someday. Someday. Yeah, I would like to do that. That would be a fun one. I love seeing lists that are like, uh, this is particular to me, but when someone is like, here here are 10 PCFX games that you should try. Because I just love seeing people talk about the PCFX or like the, the mm -hmm. FM towns or just like when people are talking about a console that they like that people don't know a whole lot more about in general, then you wind up with some, some cool stuff. I am AJ. I agree. It's the FM towns, Marty. <laughs> yeah, I think that if it's coming from a position of like enthusiasm. So for me, I write a lot of garbage, obviously not everything I write is good obviously. or workable, but I, I have to find a core of something I really love in every one of these lists, like find something yeah. that's actually meaningful. So you'll definitely see certain things that pop up. Like if I'm writing about horror movies, I'm probably going to write about society. I don't know if I'm writing about Genesis games, I'm probably going to write about gain ground. You know, I always have the, the things that I have that sort of love for, you know, within the context of uh, making $150 to feed my family. Which version of Gain Ground is your favorite? It's the Genesis version is my favorite. Is there yeah. a different? Yeah, I don't. The arcade version just doesn't feel right to me. The arcade version is a little weird. I like the PC Engine version because it's got a few extra characters in it. And somehow, like getting down to the 8-bit console, it made me understand the game more because you know, it's it's less of an action game than it is a puzzle game in many yeah. ways. It's like a Twitch puzzle game, basically. But you, you have to, like, you know, chart the path of your, your weaponry. And also, you know, can I go and get that extra character or am I going to lose a character in the process? It, it's it's a pretty cool one. And I like I like all the versions, really. Um, there's also the PS2 remake, which I don't like that much. But, you know, the, the, the 3D Sega Ages... <laughs> Remake. I have not played that. Hey, Brandon, you know what you just did? You what? just made a list on this show. You know it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, now Love it's time to return to my favorite segment and a favorite of many of the people in our insert credit community. The time has come to return to Violence Island. Nice. 
This is the segment where we take listener-submitted matchups between two video game figures and determine who would win in a fight between them in an eight-seed bracket until we determine a champion who is then retired forever. Our first match is between Celeste, as in the Mountain Celeste. Not the lady who jumps not around. Not the lady. Whose name is definitely Celeste. The Mountain Celeste versus Hollow Knight. By the way, people were really complaining to me that we let Tim from Braid get so far last time. Well, he lost. Did he lose? Yeah, he lost to Kratos. Oh, good, good. Thank goodness. The guy controls time. Yeah, he never runs out of going out of time no, juice. No, Frank. Wait, well, okay, let's not get back into that. <laughs> it's my fault. I shouldn't have brought it up. We don't always have to love a winner. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, Celeste versus... Uh, Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight. Well, I, wait, the, the last boss, the Hollow Knight, or the guy you play as in the Hollow Knight? Uh, they didn't specify. Oh, the Hollow Knight is the final boss of the Hollow Knight. Why, why did they specify the mountain, but they did not specify the Hollow Knight? That's interesting, isn't it? It yeah. is it's interesting. <laughs> so let me. So um, um, the Hollow Knight in the Hollow Knight is in the final boss. Yeah, let's let's say that. Got some fire attacks. Mm-hmm. Can jump like across the screen. Yeah, but how how good is their jumping up? Isn't Hollow Knight like canonically very small, like the whole game? Like it's on a very small scale? No, not really. It's pretty big. But what is the win condition for a mountain? You don't scale it. Yeah. Hmm. Planting your flag on the top of a mountain is how you yes, beat it? Yes, that, that is how you... That is historically how you defeat a mountain. I mean, that's how you beat the mountain in the game Celeste as well. Yes, so. correct. All yeah. right. I will accept that. So I don't... Well, Hollow Knight also can float, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. He, he has like a float thing. How high can he get up, though? That's my... That's my, my well, I mean... Yeah, can he do that super jump? I haven't seen him do a wall cling. Mm, mm-hmm. That's important. There's no that's walls good. when you fight him. But again, he can float. Like, he can just, like, right. float around and throw stuff at you. I think the mountain wind. I'm trying to think back to Celeste. I mean, is there anything you couldn't get past if you could fly? No. Okay, well, assuming that's true, that you could yeah. just fly through Celeste's mountain, uh, which is called Celeste, I, I think Hollow Knight wins here. Yeah. I think so, right. too. Consensus. Our next match is Segata Sanshiro nice. versus Johnny Turbo. Oh, oh it's, it's, it's Segata Sanshiro for sure. I mean, oh, yeah. Segata Sanshiro has uh, has a black belt, um, karate chops people all the time, uh, rode a missile before, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and Johnny Turbo is uh, just... Got a like, gun or something, right? He has a gun. He has, and a vest. And he yeah. complains. And a vest, that's true. The vest looks of- like it can... You know, hold his meals in it. <laughs> yeah. Look up a picture. He's a real weekend warrior. Yeah. Rob Liefeldian vest. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. I'm looking. There's not a lot of art for Johnny Turbo. Oh, you know what? He exists in a game now, though. Johnny Turbo's arcade, right? Uh-huh. Like, he exists in that, that fighting game with mm-hmm. other, uh, like, indie game, whatever characters. I don't know what his moves are in there, but we know he has a gun. Yeah, I don't. Well, okay, I, I, I can't make him. No, he, he, he can't win this. No, There's no way. He's, he's, no, we're, we're trying to justify him, but it's just not working. Yeah, it's Sagata all the way. Yeah. Uh, our next is Trouble Bruin from Dynamite Heady versus Storm Eagle from Mega Man X. It, Trouble Bruin, which one's that? Is that that's one of the bosses? Yeah, he's a bear. Oh, he's that bear one. He's like a cat bear thing. Yeah, yeah he's a cat. With like a spider robot body or something. This is too specific. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's got to be a bear because he's called Trouble Bruin. Bruin, Bruin is a word for bear. Is 
That's a cat. But I'm very confused yet yeah, because it's very cat-like. I think the, <laughs> the body is somewhat like teddy bear-like, maybe, and that's right. where it's from. But it doesn't work. If the ears were rounded, I'd call it a teddy bear. I'd be okay. It does have six horns, yeah. so let's keep that in mind. Okay, and then what's the other one? Storm Eagle. Storm Eagle's pretty dope. Storm Eagle is pretty cool. But in terms of fighting, Storm Eagle can fly and spit eggs, okay. which is okay. Do they just like splat on the ground? No, they hatch into birds. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, this if this thing is at least part cat, so it is naturally inclined to kill the birds pretty easily. And it can yeah. also fly, just to be clear. Got grappling arms. It's I don't got think all cats sight. can beat all birds, though. Oh, that's reductive. But yeah. this cat has five forms with many different machines and robots. That's it, true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, think, th I think it's the cat. Yeah, I think it's, it's Trouble Bruin, too. Bruin also. Yeah. Storm Eagle's pretty bad, but, but no Trouble Bruin. This one breaks the rules a little bit, but I allowed it. A team-up of Mallow from Super Mario RPG and a Lakitu from the Mario franchise versus Sephiroth. Mm. Because we know one cloud can beat Sephiroth, which is, I imagine... The oh, dear God. Uh, yeah. I don't think this is... Uh, yeah, this is a joke. It's Sephiroth. I mean, while it is a funny joke, Sephiroth yeah. wins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mallow has low HP. I mean, does the Lakitu have an indefinite amount of spinies? He's got a fishing rod. He's got a camera. <laughs> uh, sure, I'll, I'll say he's got an indefinite amount of spinies. Right, but yeah. every time he, 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 like, to get a spiny, he has to, like, go into his cloud and, like, find one and then come out one at a time and yeah, throw Yeah, that's it. a lot yeah. of vulnerability for him. Yeah, it's a okay. lot of work. For a long sword. One swipe, and it's just going to have, like, a bunch of nines on the screen, and it's yeah. over. Yeah, and also, to be clear, like, even if we were taking the cloud joke seriously, Level one cloud cannot beat level anything Sephiroth. That is um, true. You, you gotta you gotta get to the end. Well, I bet there's some speedrunner who can disprove that, but uh, that's yeah, an edge okay, case. Time for our semifinals: uh, Hollow Knight versus Sagata Sanshiro. Okay. Um, Dang. Sanshiro is just a man, a yeah. wonderful, He's... powerful man, a man of great stature, but he can ride a missile. I don't think Sanshiro has a move where he can dash through a wall of flame and come out unscathed on the other side. So I think he's done. Oh, I think he can do that. Oh, he might. Really? With the Dreamcast launch, there was a missile launched at Sega headquarters. Mm. Right. And he stands on the building and redirects the missile. As he went on, he canonically became at least somewhat superhuman. I'm not saying he wins necessarily, but okay. I'm, I'm going to say he's not just a man. Okay. Yeah. Uh, redirects the missile. How does he do that? Um, he, he's he's like holding on to it, and then his feet hit the back of the building, and then he like pushes it away. Okay, so that's just like really strong muscles. As, as, I mean, we got to go with the evidence in front of us. We can't really strong powers. muscles and skeleton yeah. because like yes. he can absorb the. Impact. I'm rooting for Sagata Sanchiro. It's important to note that when he did redirect the missile. He rode it into space and, according to Wikipedia, presumably was killed in the process. Yes. Yeah, so he can't withstand the atmosphere. Well, something about space. I, I mean, there's a lot to withstand here in space. Yeah. So something about that kills him. But and he did make it up there. We it's think. that Looney Tunes bit of, it's a great bit, but I can only do it once. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I think it's Hollow Knight. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't have any reason yeah. to think that 
the Gata Sanchiro can withstand fire. Yeah, no, you're, you're probably yeah. right, it, but it was worth a discussion. I would be happy to be proven wrong, but right now the evidence stands in Holland. I, I think it's correct. And for this one, the real winner would be the, would be the fans, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, right. Trouble Bruin versus Sephiroth. Sephiroth. Yeah. I mean, who yeah. beat Sephiroth? Who beat it's Sephiroth? just, it's, it's a difficult one. I mean, well, a cat, a cat with five forms is simply not enough forms, forms for a cat. Six forms? Right. Yeah. I six. technically six forms. You got to do nine forms for a cat. I think That's Celeste right. could have beaten Sephiroth, but Celeste fell early to a flyer. Yeah. I think the, uh, the implication here is that three of Treble Bruin's forms have already been defeated. That's why there's only six. Ah. Like before Dynamite, Hetty came along. Yeah, like, in, yeah. in the Hetty lore. Sure. This is, yes, lore. Uh, that brings us to Hollow Knight versus Sephiroth. Sephiroth. Again, it's Sephiroth. <laughs> and so Sephiroth joins the illustrious company of Shadow the Hedgehog and Kratos from God of War of being Shadow Band from Violence Island. Okay. All right. Nice. Okay. We won't um, miss him. Okay. Sephiroth. Almost every week, I ask a variation of the old chestnut, what is the Citizen Kane video games, by trying to find another comparison of video games to find a uh, simulacrum to. Good explanation. Yeah, not confusing at all. Uh, so this week I'd like to ask, what is the Simpsons of video games? Ooh. Okay, I actually like this question. I, I'm surely not the only one to make this observation, but someone in my you know distant past asked, like, what is the Beatles of our generation? I said it was the Simpsons, and I stand mm -hmm. by that. So what is the video game that has that level of cultural influence? Yeah, but then know. it has to become irrelevant later. I think it's Grand Theft Auto. Lots of wacky mm. characters. You know, a sort of inhabitable environment. It's all about family. But you don't stick with the same characters throughout. And I feel like that's sure. kind of important. Um, I don't know that it is because it's the same game every time. It is the game that when it was first experienced, it really was something new. At least, you know, three. Three, yeah. I'm not thinking about the first two. I don't know. I can see that. When The Simpsons came out, it, it was as like groundbreaking, I think, that's Grand Theft Auto 3. Like we, like everyone yeah. told stories of, of Grand Theft Auto 3 when it came out. It's like, oh my God, you could just go in the buildings and, you know. And the it's, irreverence is a big part of it. Yeah, that's not bad. Pe people were shocked by The Simpsons when it first came Okay, there's no shocking here, but I'm going to make a bid for it being Sonic. <laughs> because cast of characters that's recurring, the, the first several things were really excellent and, and feel like <laughs> and, they changed. Yeah, why won't they let the franchise just die? Wouldn't let the franchise die. It just keeps going and keeps going. And every once in a while, there's a glimmer of hope and people are like, no, it's actually good. But only the diehards are really stuck in there. But it's, it's only really analogous in that way. It's not like funny. Well, and also Sonic gets like new fans. Are there new Simpsons fans? Okay. So Sonic is Bart. I mean, Eggman be. is Homer. Tails is Lisa. I, I guess Amy is the Marge. Knuckles and is Bart. Knuckles is Maggie. Well, who is Bart? Who do you have as Bart? Sonic um, is Bart. Sonic? Oh, Sonic's Bart. Come know. on. I He's guess. the protagonist. Yeah. Sonic <laughs> is Bart and Eggman is Homer. So Silver is Grandpa. <laughs> yeah, of course. Sonic, maybe. It's not the best choice. It's not the worst. I, I, I still think it, like, it doesn't have to be GTA, but it, I think it does have to be something that is that level of like, oh my God, when it happened. What about Street Fighter? Not bad. 
Yeah. Street yeah, Fighter's I not a bad that. one. Yeah, that's yeah. a cultural phenomenon for sure. Everybody knows all the characters. And I guess it finally did get worse with Street Fighter V. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it also started a genre in the same way that The mm-hmm. Simpsons started mm-hmm. the like, it wasn't the first to do it. It was probably like the Flintstones or something, but it was the first, you know, it started the adult animation at night sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. And they both have a little bit of casual racism. Right. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I guess that means that King of Fighters is the family guy of video games. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> it's probably true. <laughs> Lucky there's a King of Fighters. <laughs> I like wow. I like both of these answers. It's hard to get definitive because video games don't just keep going. No, I'm, I'm liking Street Fighter because similar to The Simpsons, like season one of The Simpsons, yeah. it was like interesting and a revolution in its way, but you, you don't want to go back and watch it, really. Uh, and similarly, the first Street Fighter was also a revolutionary thing, but you, you don't really want to go back and play it. It's not like the good one. Right. You know, it has that similar like rough start, but still very important. And then this solid block of really season, uh, really solid, um, like culturally altering stuff. And then it kind of fades away into irrelevance after that, but it's still there. I wonder if there's a part of the Simpsons later on. That's like the third strike of the film. I was just going to ask that question. Yeah. I've heard tell that there's like a few secret good seasons buried in the middle. So what I have heard is that you can make one entire good season out of the you know post season 10 yeah simpsons like if you take one episode one or two episodes from every one of those seasons there's there's like a one full really good season left but nobody has ever presented me with that information in a way that i could absorb it and i would love for somebody to do that do it on the insert credit forums let me see yeah you know, I, I, I've i got the first, what, eight maybe on DVD. I'd buy a ninth box. It was whatever that is. Yeah. yeah. The good stuff from the later episodes. I've, <laughs> I've, I've seen a few good later episodes. They're like clips. I don't know. How about a clips episode of all the best moments yeah. of the last 40 years? Simpsons used to do clip shows. Let's do a clip show of like the good bits from the bad episodes. Why and you know, yeah. there is a Street Fighter uh, clip show game. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Street Fighter 2 movie. Uh-huh. It is, it is uh, made of clips from the animated movie. And in between you play as like, I think a Shadowloo bot that. Yeah, is, it's like a robot. Yeah, you're a robot that's trying to learn all the moves of the Street Fighter characters. Oh, that, that's pretty good. Yeah, I think Street Fighter's our answer, yes. uh, which means it's time for us now to go on to our lightning round. I've devised a new game this week. I am going to name a fake video game. But every part of the title comes from a real game from the same company. It's going to be confusing. So, for instance, Super Fox Prime would be a Nintendo game from Super Mario, Star Fox, and Metroid Prime. Whoever names the company first gets the point. Oh, nice. Your first game is Lost Thornstone. Thornstone? Well, how many Thornstones are there? I'm assuming the Thornstone is a compound of two other games. Am I correct uh, on this? You get no more information than that. Lost yeah, there's no mo- there's no game on Moby Games with Thornstone. Uh, is it Blizzard? Uh, it is Blizzard. Lost nice. Vikings, Blackthorn, and Hearthstone. I just guessed from Black Blackthorn and Hearthstone. I yeah, cannot okay. think of that Thorn is. I was like, I know that. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Cool. Your next game is Devil Monster Planet. Capcom. Uh, that is Capcom. Capcom is correct. God damn Devil it. May Cry, Monster Hunter, Lost Planet. Dang it. Uh, your next game is Skate Road Jam. 
EA. EA. EA is correct. Oops. Uh, uh, skate or die, road rash, and BHA. Point to break. Wait, NBA. Oh, they did do NBA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, your next game is Infinite Samurai Stories. Uh, samurai Stories. Samurai. Um, samurai. Oh. Uh, Infinite Samurai Stories. I mean, all I've got for Samurai is Showdown, but I don't. I mean, think I, I'm, okay. man, I. Infinite Samurai Stories. I, I feel like. Well, according is... to my cheating on Moby Games, there is a browser game from 1999 uh, called Samurai Asshole. So maybe it's. <laughs> I think uh, I, I want to go for. Um, wait, no. Infinite no, I don't. Samurai Stories. Ugh. Um, I guess I'm going to say Square Enix. Square Enix is correct. Okay. Yeah. Because, because I had infinite undiscovery. I had infinite undiscovery, but I was having trouble with samurai. Musashi samurai legend. Oh yeah, that's yeah the was. brave friends are Musashi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. radiator stories. Stories. Yeah. Okay, okay, that's, that's a nasty one. The reason yeah. I was conf- I was confused about it is because. In the U.S., it's Brave Fencer Musashi, um, yep. and the word samurai is not in the title. Yeah, it gets tricky sometimes. Yeah, uh, I've thrown a few curveballs at you. Your next game is Midnight Oni Warriors. Um, that's um, Bandai Namco. Nope. Oni was who's Oni? Uh, Oni is Bungie. Nope. No. Uh, Frank, it's just you. Uh, God. Uh, well, Oni was made. Hang on. Um, oh, that's Rockstar. That's Rockstar, correct? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Midnight Club, Oni, and The Warriors. Uh, man, I feel like I feel like you could get this out of Koei also, actually. You might. Probably could, figure it out. Uh, maybe not Midnight. I think you All right, could. your next team is Bullet Blade 2097. Um, Blade 2097. That's, uh, man, see, the I've Cygnosis? got some of these. Nope. Okay. Uh, Atari. Nope. Y- yes. Kthor. What's Bullet Blade 2097? That's the game. Uh, is it epic? It is epic. Bullet Storm, <sighs> Infinity Blade, and One Must Fall 2097. Man. I guessed entirely from Bullet Storm. Yeah. That, uh, sometimes you got to take hints as they come. Your next Wait, game. Wait, so in- who was this? Uh, that was Epic Games. Bullet Storm Infinity Blade. Well, one must fall 2097. And one must fall 2097. Were, were they a different company then? Uh, that was on their resume. Okay, because uh, I'm looking at Moby <laughs> Games right now, and right. Uh, the the developer is Diversions Entertainment. They worked on. It. Okay. Uh, it, it's on their page. Uh, okay. Your next game is Hoodlum Iron Conviction. Hoodlum <laughs> Iron Con- Conviction. 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 Uh, is it Ubisoft? It is Ubisoft. Uh, oh, Rayman, Rayman 3. 3, Hoodlum yep. Havoc, Iron Lord, and Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Convention. Uh, Convention. That's like Iron Lord. It's one of their first games. Okay. Uh, your next game is Spin with Slots. <laughs> what? <laughs> Spin uh. with Slots? Yes. What? <laughs> you can get this. This is gettable. Slots. the fuck? You know, I'm trying to cheat with Moby Games, but it's pretty hard to cheat with Moby Games. Spin. <laughs> Did you know that Gex Enter the Gecko is AKA Spin Tail? I did not know that. <laughs> I was trying to get this to be Irem, but it's not Irem. I'm trying to think of games with spin. What the fuck has spin in it? Sonic Spinball? Yeah, but that's the whole thing, though. He wouldn't take part of the word, or would he? Uh, I'm going to shoot my shot, Microsoft. It is not. Okay. Spin with slots. I mean, slots, slots is not going to help. There's a million. I can give you a hint. Do you want me to give you a hint? Sure. 
The key is the width. I mean, they, what? Fuck off! <laughs> that can't be right. I, 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 I have a really good guess that I I'm going to say no, I, it isn't. That I isn't guess I can't guess anymore. No, Man. you got your one. Uh, can I guess before you reveal Ooh, Facebook, it? Facebook. I mean, sorry, Zynga. Uh, Zynga's correct. That was it. That was my guess. Spin it rich, words with friends, and Willy Wonka slots. When I said Facebook, I meant Zynga. I think we yeah. all knew that. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> right. I, I, I count it. Yeah, I count it. Uh, you get the point on that one. Uh, your next game is Connect Alien Starfighter. Microsoft. No. Son of a heck. Someone else made a Connect game with Connect in the title. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be like Lionhead then. Why? Uh, oh, I guess LucasArts did. LucasArts is correct. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh, Star Wars Connect, uh, Zach McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders. Oh, my God. And Star Wars Jedi Starfighter. Man, you, you got me. I, I looked at that Connect and I was like, I have to say this word first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, your next one is Age of Impossible Heroes. Oh, that's, 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 that's that one guy. The fucking whatever they're called. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I cannot accept that. Impossible, 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 impossible. Impossible mission is the one I come up yeah, with. Yeah, that's. I don't like it though. I mean, I guess it's Microsoft. Like they bought Age Vampires, right? Ah, uh, no, that's not the right answer. Uh, mission uh, Impossible. Uh, is it Epics? Uh, it is not Epic. Damn it. Dang it. Oh, I was. I also forgot that Ubisoft now owns Might and Magic. Which, he, my magic heroes, which is what I was thinking of. Is it all on me now? Uh, it's all on you. Dang it. Um, uh, uh, what, what were the guesses so far? Brandon said Microsoft. Yeah. And uh, Kathor, what did you say? You said Epics. I said Epics. Yeah. Man. Um, uh, okay, I'm going to go Impossible Mission. Then uh, you said Epics. Dang it. Uh, yeah, that's as a Commodore 64 kid. That's where my main where my brain went. Dang it. Uh, okay, who did Mission Impossible on the N64? That's going to be my guess, whatever the thing is. Uh, no, the answer was Relic. Uh, okay. Relic did Age of Empires 4, Impossible Creatures, and Company of Heroes. Okay. Impossible Creatures. Yeah. Uh, your next game is Rolling Hours 88. Namco. Uh, that's Correct. Interstate. Namco. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Rolling Thunder, Suzuka 8 Hours. Galaga and 88. Galaga 88. 88. Nice. nice. Yeah. We got some Japanese companies in here. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Your next game is Way of the Dream Thief. I'd play that. Way of the Dream Thief. Uh, I'm going to come right in here with... Uh, oh, wait. That's the wrong thief. Uh, Looking Glass? No. Okay. Mm. Well, I got out of that one quick. Yeah. Way of the Dream Thief. Is it Naughty Dog? It is Naughty Dog. Uh, Way of the Warrior, Dream Zone, and Keith the Thief. Excellent. Some old ass ones there. Yeah. And uh, A Thief's End is also in, uh, in yeah. uh, Uncharted. One of those yeah. Uncharted uh, That would be Way of the Dream Thief apostrophe S. Uh, your next game is Galactic Martial Enforcers. I love it. I'd play this Galactic one too. Galactic Martial Enforcers. Is it Konami? It is Konami. Man, yeah. it is totally Konami. Got Galactic it. Warriors, Marshall mm-hmm. Beat, and Lethal Enforcers. Lethal Enforcers is what I got that from. Yeah, yeah I, could, that I couldn't was the find one. Galactic, uh, but Mar- also Marshall Champions is Konami. Yeah, Marshall Champions counts as well. Uh, your next is Massive Fortnite Quest. <laughs> uh, Wait, but we already a different had Fortnite though. Yeah, yeah it's, so it's not epic. Fortnite Quest. 
Oh, uh, that is uh, double fine. That is double fine. Uh, yeah. Massive Chalice, Amnesia Fortnite collections, and Costume Quest. That makes sense. I was hoping the Fortnite would throw you a little. Well, because I had you spell them out in the exactly. chat. Exactly. I felt a little defeated when you <laughs> made you me go. do that at the beginning because I knew that was coming. Uh, your next game is Serious Karate Box. I love it. I would play this game also. I'm just imagining Serious Karate Box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. This is a game for the Amiga. Um. <laughs> I don't think it's Serious Sam. Mm, Crow Team only makes basically Serious Sam and soccer games, so. Yeah. They didn't yeah. make serious soccer. No. You want a hint? Sure. Focus on the box. Of, co- of course. Maybe I will. Oh, wait. Focus on the box. Focus on the box. Focus on the box. Focus on the box. Is it Vlambeer? It is Vlambeer. Oh, nice. Furious no, okay. Sam, the random encounter, karate, okay. and super crate box. Wow. All right. I yeah. wasn't going to get that one. Uh, We got five more. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with this one. Yeah. Uh, your next is Guardians of Shadow of Imposters. <laughs> um, Sony? No. Are you sure? I'm sure. <laughs> can, you, can you check? Guardians of Shadow of... Uh, okay, I'm going to go Gotham City Imposters, because that seems like an Alex Jaffe thing. Throw oh, I forgot here. all about that game. Uh-huh. Man, Square Enix put out that Guardians of the Galaxy game. I had, I really thought yeah. it was just like a Sony original somehow. No. I heard that was kind of good. Uh, that is great. actually my recommendation for this week. So you just, you hang on. Wait, so uh, is it Monolith? It is Monolith. Yeah, I was there already. Yeah. <laughs> Gotham City Imposters. I called it. I called it. You called it, but. Uh, I had to look up who made that. Kthor said <laughs> it first. It's Guardians of Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor, and Gotham City Imposters, the nice. Batman game everybody forgot. Put the screenshot in there again. Yeah. <laughs> that game, it, it, that actually looked like it was almost fun, but I don't yeah. know anybody who played it. Me neither. Uh, your next team is Fatal Shot Tokobot. What? God, oh God, oh God. It's, uh, it's friggin' Tecmo Koi. It's Tecmo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was right there. Fatal Frame. Fatal Frame, yeah. Super Shot Soccer, and Tokobot for the yeah, PS. Not a lot of Tokobots yeah. on Moby Games, yeah. It's true. All I right. didn't look that up, by the way. Nice. Uh, Knights of Broken Blood Moon. Okay. Knights of Broken Blood, Blood Moon. I can't think of a Blood Moon. That's got to be a subtitle. Uh, is it Bethesda? It is Bethesda. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion, Knights of the Nine, Fallout 3, Broken Steel, and Elder Scrolls Morrowind, Blood Moon. Are these all DLCs? Yes. Yes. Oh, lame. What the heck? Yeah. Very shitty. I wasn't going to get that one. <laughs> uh, two more. <laughs> you don't have to keep posting For the same screenshot. Posting the screenshot in the chat here. All right. Blitz Warfare Revenge. Midway. No. Wow. Why not? Why not? Really? Why not? Uh, is it PopCap? It is PopCap. Yeah. Bejeweled Blitz, Plants vs. Zombies, Garden Warfare, Warfare. and Zuma's Revenge. Yep. Uh, okay, you've Man. got the win locked down with 10 points, but our last game is Oh Gun Gun. Uh, Necrosoft. Necrosoft <laughs> yeah. is correct. <laughs> Embarrassing we... that you didn't get that, Brandon. Immediate. Yes. I was looking up games with warfare or revenge by midway. <laughs> because I was feeling because you wanted to contest the point. Yes. But uh, regardless, uh, Kathor has gotten more points than either of you combined. He is our super winner. Congratulations. This is the point of the show where if you'd like to recommend something to our audience, whether it's something that you're involved in or just something you're enjoying or appreciate, 
uh, now is the time to share that. I'll do a couple things real quick. First is a, a project we've got at the foundation that I'm just kind of excited about and I feel like talking about, which is that um, we recently visited a retired games producer in Chicago. I may have mentioned this before. And uh, among other things with uh, the the piles of of stuff in his basement, we we paid a a cool little nonprofit to uh, encode about sixty of his tapes, both audio and video. There's really cool stuff in there. He went to E3 2000 and just shot video for two hours for some reason. It's Heck awesome. Yeah. Among the things in there that I'm pretty excited about is that uh, he worked on Bart's Nightmare and Virtual Bart, and he has the nice. like just the raw studio takes of of all the actors doing their like in-game lines so that's uh, pretty good yeah so castellanetta doing dough like 40 times <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know bart being like oh boy squishy or whatever like when he picks up a power up i don't know um whoa man we're, we're working on that it's gonna be a little wild but fun stuff if anyone wants to do like the best audio restoration of bart's nightmare ever we got you. We got it. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm having a really great time with that game. Um, it is so very full of content. There is just a ridiculous amount of art. Your characters are just talking to each other the whole time. Hours and hours of like really good dialogue. I've heard split feelings on the chatter that it's like some people say it's good and other people say it reminds them of like well gex just constantly chattering away and you can't shut him out oh those people just have no joy in their lives like it's it's just like fun dialogue oh no that's me uh, <laughs> no i'm not recommending this to you you're you're yeah but son of a heck for most other people i really like this game because it's just crazy high budget asset wise and and the game itself is uh there's not a lot of friction to it, but it's it's just the right amount of friction. It's just kind of a walk through and have fun kind of game. And uh, sometimes I need that. And I guess right now was one of those times. I've been having a really nice time with it. So I do like that aspect. Uh, I'll do some recommendations too. I'm going to recommend a Chinese ghost story. If you've never seen that, or even if you have, watch it again. Which one? The well, uh, the first one. Okay. I mean, it's it's the name of the movie. It's called. The yeah, Chinese I know. Ghost I was. I, was okay. I, I I finally realized that that's what that joke was. But anyway, it's a good movie. I love those kinds of movies that are somewhere between like comedy and horror and romance. And I really appreciate the way the actors in this movie are like almost silent movie style overselling every action that they do. It's fun. It's a fun watch. So check that out. Other thing I'm going to recommend is another movie. It's a uh, ABC made for TV movie from 1992 or three called Firestorm 72 hours in Oakland. I, I mentioned this to Frank earlier. I still haven't finished watching it. I'm halfway through. I'm rec <laughs> recommending a movie that I'm only partway through. You're really getting that comic book experience with yeah, this right. movie. <laughs> waiting a lot between viewings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's only 36 hours in. The, that's right. If you're from the Bay Area and you want to see Jordy LaForge, say i shouldn't call him jerry laforge but um say lavar burton saying how did i ever think i could fit in in a place like oakland um then this is the movie for you because it's it's got it's got actors you've heard of talking about oakland it also actually this is quite interesting and is where it gets a bit sad and stuff but it, they indiscriminately they switch between footage shot on like video cameras by residents of the Oakland Hills fire. Oh yeah, this is by the way, based on a big fire that happened in Oakland in the early nineties. Based on a true fire. Based on a true fire. Um, the characters are fictionalized, but the there's a lot of real footage shot by amateurs 
that they just they just plop on in there and they'll show you like raging fire stuff and then they'll show their studio steady camera stuff and then they'll go back to like someone jiggling their camera around as a as a car goes by that's on fire or whatever it's it's pretty wild stuff it's not good but but if if you're interested in like hyper regional made for tv movies that actually have a budget and actors you've heard of uh, it's also a very like racially diverse movie which is really cool for the early 90s like the 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 movie opens to an asian family having breakfast and they're like one of the main focuses of of it and you know obviously lavar lavar burton's the fire chief pretty cool so yeah firestorm you you have to watch it on youtube it's not available anywhere in real life and it's got like parts of commercials in it from the 90s and stuff give it a look youtube is not real life uh you got anything yeah, I think that everybody should sign up for a free Tubi account so you can watch Tears of the Black Tiger mm-hmm. on Tubi. I don't know if you've watched that. If anybody here has oh, yeah. taken that movie in, it's so beautiful. It's so... On Tubi, don't you have to get... Don't you have to watch c- commercials? Just before the movie. So you can oh, walk off and make yourself some popcorn. Okay, okay, okay. As long as they're not interrupting goddamn Tears of the Black Tiger with, uh, with some stupid advertisement in between. No, Tubi's the best streaming yeah. service right now. Tubi okay. is, I had never really delved into it, and it's truly fantastic. It's yeah. a great, even without Tears of the Black Tiger, I'd still recommend it. But the fact that Tears of the Black Tiger is on Tubi for free for you to watch whenever you want. Yeah, I would even rank it above Fandango. Let's not go crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, brilliant, beautiful movie that will give you all the feelings in the world. In terms of video games, I am a slow chewer of video games. I don't play a lot of video games. I just play one video game for a long time. Mm-hmm. that's the way I work and I'm playing binding of Isaac and that's what I'm playing. And that's the kind of game that you can just chew on for a little bit every day. And so I recommend everybody find something that you can chew on for a while. I like that. That's a good recommendation. It actually is. Yeah. Not binding of Isaac, uh, the concept of chewing on a game. I don't like the word chewing. But... Uh, the aesthetic of binding of Isaac is repulsive and I don't want to spend a second looking at it. That's correct. Um, <laughs> I do have some recommendations of my own. I would like to recommend that if you're listening to this show on any platform where you can subscribe to a review podcast, that you engage with us in that way to keep the algorithms pushing us upwards and forwards. You could also go to patreon.com slash insert credit where you, yes, you could become a patron to submit your own topics, get our regular episodes one day early, one day early, one day early, and even access monthly bonus episodes and other exclusive content. You can also join us on forums.insertcredit.com and follow us on Twitter for our own personal updates and projects. The show is at Insert Credit. I'm at Alex Jaffe. Frank is at Frank Savaldi. Brandon is at Necrosofty. And Kthor is at Kthor Jensen. This show is edited by Esper Quinn with music by Kurt Feldman. Once more, I'm Alex Jaffe. Twice more, I'm Frank Savaldi. Thrice more, I'm Brandon Sheffield. Quad Combo! I'm Kathor Jensen. (laughs) And you have now completed the episode. Congratulations. I'm going to make a bid for calling this episode Serious Karate Box over yeah, Death sure. Sanding. Sure. But I'm going to leave the decision ultimately up to Esper. I mean, yeah, go for it. Every once in a while, I'm like, ah, oh, they're giving away the best joke. Yeah. In the title of the episode. Yeah, me too. I feel like 
death sanding is better earned. Yeah. Although there is something to be said for like, you see death sanding and then you're like, when's that going to come up? Yes, that's true. You're waiting for the drop as it were. Yeah. So that, it, it could go either way. Oh, could man. go either way. I leave it in Esper's capable hands. Esper told me once that what they do is they come up with like a list of possible titles. What do they do with that list? And uh, they give it to uh, their girlfriend and she picks the one she likes. Okay. I, like I, that. I think that strategy is pretty good. 